Welcome to Transcendent. I'm Joe, and I'm the dad. And I'm Raya, and I'm the daughter. We are about to revisit one of my most favorite episodes, and it's one of the earlier ones we did. Because of that, we felt it was a time to revisit it for a variety of reasons. Number one, we've got a lot better equipment. Number two, we think that we've got a solid message here. Raya really speaks from the heart. We want to tell you a little bit more about how that has affected her and me a year and a half later. So with that, let's get started. And we'll join you again on the other side. I saw your experience. I witnessed it from the beginning, probably, at least from the part that I knew. And for you, there was a lot of grief. There was there was a lot more grief than there was joy. And the joy was great when you got to it, but the grief, I think, was much worse. It didn't. It were they weren't equal parts. No, and that that is the difficult thing. So. I mentioned last time the analogy of building a dam to hold back the, the, the feelings, the emotions, like water behind the dam. And that pressure builds and builds and builds and builds until you can't hold it any longer. And you eventually open it and you let those feelings and those emotions come gushing through. But that can be a very violent experience. Damn. There, <laughs> and there's a reason you try to hold it back. You try to push it back because you know the kind of devastation, the difficulty it's going to cause in your life. And when you finally can't hold it back any longer, you say, okay, I'm going to finally open this up and let it out. And it does cause damage and devastation. It does cause difficulty and it hurts sometimes even more than you thought it was going to hurt. When I first heard this and we started talking about the five stages of grief, I grieved for for you because I could see uh, the, the, the pain and the agony of the things you were going through. It was really, really tough for you. And you know how it is. You have a child, and, and, and if the child has a problem, it it affects you. I had the advantage when I transitioned that I had the positive feelings and the emotions of transitioning and finally getting to be myself that helped me through this. But you mentioned how difficult it was for me and all of the the emotions that I went through. Part of that was with transitioning, you now are on, on a whole new set of hormones. And so I was going through a second puberty and that that's very difficult to navigate. But then the big thing was losing so much in my life. Right. And those are the pieces that we want to talk about. I want to tell my story here because my life had been built on a lot of different pieces that I had to give up. First of all was my marriage. We had a tremendous marriage. We had a really great marriage outside of my desire to be a woman. I mentioned last time that she knew within six months of us being married she knew that I had some kind of issues with wanting to, we wouldn't have said at that point wanting to be a woman, but it was certainly with going off and having fantasies about what if I was 
a woman? What if I was putting myself in the shoes of a woman? What if I, you know, I would have fantasies and that was my escape. And that was not acceptable in the, the, in the context of our marriage. That came out right away. And then it would come out again and again in different ways of where me trying to hold this back desperately, I would do it until I couldn't. It's sort of like, um, well, to go with that analogy of the, the holding back the water, you know, it's like when the pressure gets to be too much and all of a sudden it pops a little hole right here and something starts to spout through. So you try to plug the hole there and then the pressure builds somewhere else and it comes out over here. So you plug that hole and you, the pressure comes out somewhere else and eventually you can't hold back the pressure any longer. And that's where I finally got to is I couldn't hold back that pressure any longer. Let's talk about the grief. So once you made the decision, the first decision of I'm going to come out, what about these steps, the five stages of grief? Were you fighting with your own denial? Well, absolutely I was. What you didn't see is that some of my dealing with these happened beforehand. So I had already done years of dealing with these things before you ever saw it. It all happened under the surface for me. And the denial, in some ways, it was 40 years of denial. Mm -hmm. In some ways, it was because it was especially when I was married. And we were married for um, 17 years before we were officially divorced. But before I came out, it was 14 and a half years. During the first part, during the first half of that, the first seven years, it would be trying harder and then failing and saying, I'm really sorry that I failed and it didn't work, but I'll try harder next time. Well, you do that so many times and then it keeps like, oh, well, this is a pattern. After seven years of it, and I went and I talked to friends that I knew that, you know, maybe if I'm accountable to you, maybe... Um, and when I, if I tell you the struggles that I'm having, maybe you can help me to overcome those struggles. Well, that didn't work. And then I tried, um, I tried some therapy and that didn't work. And I tried uh, prayer and that didn't work. And I tried this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing. And eventually I said, I don't know what to do. So after seven years, I began to pray a prayer. I said, God, I don't know how to make this go away, but I do know how to keep it a secret. And I will let it be dealt with. I would repent. I would change. I would do what I could to get away from this thing if I knew what to do, but I don't know what to do. So I'm giving this to you. And until you give me an answer, I'm just going to hide it. And so then I hid it for the next seven years of our marriage. And that was really disappointing when it came out because it turned out that a lot of what we thought was doing so well and going so well, it ended up not being the case. It wasn't really going well that whole time. So that was denial. It was denial for me at first. And then I came in a sense, I came to my own sense of um, status quo, I guess, in a sense, stage five acceptance, but it wasn't one that could really last it was kind of stage three bargaining. Mm-hmm, I said, mm-hmm. I don't really know what to do, but I can't accept. I can't accept the consequences of this. So I'm just going to hide it because there's nothing else that I can do. 
Net let us keep our marriage together for another seven years. But ultimately, as so much bargaining goes, it's not ultimately going to work because it's not sustainable. Suppose you were born with a cleft palate and you think, well, that's the way God made me. But it would bother you all the time. And and you'd think, well, I'd like to have an operation and get that cleft palate fixed. But oh, no. Everybody says, that's the way God made you. No, you have to be like that. That's a, You just have to accept that. Does that make any sense? Do you think that's the loving God we know? That doesn't seem right at all, does it? Doesn't it doesn't seem at all right. No. And, and uh, there are situations with people that have, have those kinds of things. And yet, God has given man the ability to make some of those changes, to correct some of those things that have happened. And... This may be just another one of those things. It seems very logical to me that no, everyone isn't born to total perfection. It just doesn't happen like that. Although I'm pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so much of pursuing that image of perfection. That's what kept me aware that was. Yeah. But ultimately, in the end, how long can you do that until that starts to weigh on you? Well, for me, I could do it for seven years. I was able to do it because I said, I don't know any other answer, and I can't give up my marriage. I can't give up my family. But in the end, I said, you know what? But I can't keep lying. I can't keep, I can't keep pretending that this is not a struggle that I'm not giving into. And so eventually, after that seven years, that second seven years, I said, I need to talk to you. And so I sat down with my ex-wife, and we had a conversation, and I said, I know you think that I've overcome all of this, and that I'm a different person, and I'm all changed, but I'm not changed. This was an issue before, and it's been an issue all right along. And this bargaining that I tried to do isn't working, because I'm having to deceive you, and that's not right. So then we tried a different form of bargaining. Well, maybe there are some other ways that we could get along. Maybe there are some other ways that I can be myself, but that are okay with you. We tried that for a year and a half. Boy, that was miserable. That was the Mm. worst thing of all. Because when there was no bargain to be struck, that's probably the time when I went through all of those pieces the most. When I would come into work, everybody would see it, but nobody knew quite what it was. I know you saw it, Mm -hmm. and everybody saw it. They thought something is wrong. Yes, that's right. I did. But but nobody knew quite what it was. It just looked like I was going through just a long period of depression, and that is really what was happening. The only way I saw you looking like yourself is when we would go on trips together, because it would take your mind out of that for a while, and we would be going out and doing something different. And it was it was a different situation, and, and you you kind of come back to what I thought was your old self. It's hard, but it didn't last. It's hard even remembering that. And how difficult it was, because I was fighting so hard to come up with a solution that was not going to end. That was not going to end my marriage. And in the end, there was no solution. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I got to finally be myself. 
but at a tremendous cost. So there was the loss of my marriage that everyone around us thought we were going to be married until we died. I thought that. And and in fact, we still have a good relationship now because of all of the things that we built together. Yeah. We have a good friendship now and we get along with one another and we figured out how to sort through when we have arguments and disagreements. We figured out how to get through that. So we have a really good relationship as ex-spouses. <laughs> but it still was the loss. It still was the loss of the love of my life. And on top of that, then I moved out of the house. So I no longer got to live with my kids. It was the breaking up of my family. And while that, we've come up with some good ways for bargaining that have ended up working, where we can come together and Diana still comes over for Christmas here when we all have Christmas together. And we all have Christmas together as a family. And we're going to have Easter together. Yes, we are. And we do all sorts of things together as a family. And that's terrific. We find ways to make it work. But it's not the same. I don't get to live with my kids and see them every day like I did beforehand. I only live three blocks down the road. So we've come up with a good compromise. But it is a compromise. And that has hurt and in the beginning, you came pretty close to losing some of your children, too. The older ones had a hard time accepting this, didn't they? They did. Yeah. That took some time for them to accept me. Mm-hmm. But the younger ones, not so much. It, they, uh, that was pretty quick. Pretty yeah. quick for them. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just those two things that I lost. I also had a vision that I was going to be in ministry. Whether that ministry looked like running a Christian magazine, or if I was going to end up doing something more traditional Mm -hmm. as a pastor, we never figured out how that was going to work together with the company. But there was always the the, the vision that I was going to be in some sort of ministry. And but the 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 faith that I had at that point was not a faith that allowed for LGBTQ identities in it. And so that meant that I was going to give up my calling as a, as a pastor or as somebody that was going to do ministry. So the things that were most important in my life, what I was going to do with my life, my destiny, my most important relationship, and then my seven most important relationships after that, I ended up losing, in some sense, all of those and some of those I've gotten back in different ways, but never like it was. Never in the sense of, look at how good this is and look at how exciting this is. How we're all together and boy, I'm living the perfect life like I thought I was living before this all shattered. And you lost your career and you probably lost some of your former friends, although it doesn't seem like it. It seems most of the friends that you were close with, you still are. I did lose some church friends. Oh, sure. Most of them just never came back and talked to me, and I made it easy for them not to talk to me. Mm-hmm. A few of them sent me some memes or a video that they thought would change me. <laughs> yeah. They were hoping that, oh, well, watch this video, and then you'll understand why what you're doing is wrong. And I just think to myself, when somebody sends one of those to me, they're thinking, I made this decision in an hour or 
four hours of wrestling with it or whatever. That was so easy that uh, a 40-minute YouTube video, could, uh, I'll say, oh, I got this wrong all of this time. Well, if it was that easy, believe me, I would have found that. I would have been there already. But it took years of wrestling with this and not coming up with the right answer until I finally accepted that. Right. I remember the day you came in and sat at in front of my desk. And you sat there and you cried and you said, I lost everything. I lost everything. And I said, you didn't lose me. And you didn't. Right. And that was so critical. That's why it's important that we create positive relationships together because our relationship kept me going through this. I had to give up so much that I don't think I could have made it without you. Yeah, you would have had nothing then. I would have I would have really had nothing and I Yeah. I don't think I could have I don't think I could have made it through that. So that's an important message out there if you're hearing this. That keeping what we're here for is to create positive relationships together and to to maintain that positive relationships is sometimes a matter of life or death. Yeah, it sure is. Because with all of the grieving that I was going through, you were my lifeline through that. You were my lifeline and I needed that. That was a moving podcast. That was difficult to have that discussion. I think it was difficult for both of us. And the thing that probably resonated with me the most was the part where you said you'd lost everything. And I said, you haven't lost me. That was a tough time for both of us. Certainly more for you than it was for me. But believe me, it, uh, it was really difficult for me through that entire process. It's not easy to talk about the struggle that I went through. And in some ways, I think this is one of our most important episodes that we've done because it's the message that I would give to people that don't know, that knew me before and only saw the external and didn't know what happened or where this all came from. For them, it was really sudden. When I think through all of the things that I'd like to tell them, it was everything that we talked about in this conversation. Here's the struggle I went through. Here's what I tried to avoid it. All of those things. That's why I think some people will come up with an idea and they'll say, well, you don't need to do that. And they think, well, you just thought everything was going fine. So you might as well just try this for a while. It's not like that at all, is it? It is really struggling with saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I can't do this. Until you realize it's the only answer. I also find myself, though, having moved on a lot since this conversation. We had this conversation almost a year before we actually posted it online. So this has been almost two and a half years since you and I had this conversation. And it doesn't feel quite so hurtful anymore. Oh, those things still bring up emotions, of course. When I hear the pain in my voice when we first had that conversation, that's still there. But it feels a little bit like the pain that I had earlier in life. And I've kind of moved on. 
I have a new relationship with my kids now and a new relationship with you guys. And it's we're in a new place in our life. And that feels like a very good thing. Let me ask you this. For somebody out there who's listening right now who is considering coming out, what advice do you have for them? I think anyone that comes out as transgender would say, if there's any way that you can get out of it, if there's any way that you cannot transition, you want to try to do that. But if you're really trans, you're going to get to the place where there is no way. You can try everything you can to avoid it and get around it and find workarounds, but eventually you say, none of this is working and I'm miserable. And the quicker you face up to that and find a support structure in a way that you can get through it, the better off you're going to be. And the better off you will be when you come back here again next week when we've got another great podcast for you. We are grateful to have you here week after week. We hope you've started off with a little bit of positivity, and we will see you again on Monday. Mm-hmm.